Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Meckler. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Hey everyone, Mark Meckler here and it is indeed the Battle Cry, which is, uh, you know, my favorite night of the week because I love being here with you guys. I get the feedback from you. I get to kind of play a little few games with you guys. I get your comments. Producer G is here with me. He gives me the best of your comments and the best of your questions, and we do our best to answer those. My answers might not be the best, but your comments and your questions are always the best. So here we are. It's been a big week. I think every week's a big week right now. I mean, there's just so much going on in politics. It's absolutely incredible. But life's not all about politics. So I didn't put this down in my outline, but I got to tell you, I have a new hobby. And my new hobby is printing, digital printing and uh Jacob, my son, Jacob, and I have been doing all kinds of printing. Uh, we've been printing all different kinds of stuff. It's so cool. If you guys have never done it, I got to show off something. Check this out. This is a bust of James Madison that we printed. How cool is that? That took about two days to print that thing. It's just amazing. They just appear out of thin air. It's so fun. It's such a cool hobby. If you're into kind of tech stuff, if you're into computer high com high-tech computer stuff, Digital printing, man, it's just the coolest thing. The printers aren't that expensive. The materials aren't that expensive. This thing probably cost, I don't know, 10 bucks to make something like that. I've always wanted a nice bust of Madison. So that, that sits on the shelf behind me usually. And we're printing all kinds of other fun stuff. More on that later. That just gives you kind of a little bit of insight into my life. Another thing that happened today is my daughter Lucy and her new husband Clayton came over to the house and they gave us big news and they introduced us to my first... Is it a grand dog? What would you call it? Like, they got a puppy. So this is their first. This is their new expanding family. Super cute five-month-old puppy that they rescued from the pound. His name is Ghost. So that was cool. Levi, who, of course, you guys know and love, got to play with Ghost today. It was a good day here in the Meckler family. Also, my son Jacob is in town. Really excited about that. I love hanging out with Jacob. We love to hang out together. Other than my wife, he's my best friend. And, you know, I know it's funny. I... His friends, some of them think that's weird. Some of my friends thinks that think that's weird. Jacob loves to read the same kind of stuff I do. He's totally into politics. He's in law school, getting ready to graduate. And so we just like to hang out, build guns, shoot guns, play together, print together. We love having him here. So he's home from Scalia Law in Virginia, hanging out with us. He's actually going to join me in a little bit on the podcast, which is going to be cool. We're on uh, Facebook Live tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the vaccine mandate. But first... It's all Trump, right? Trump loves this. Trump loves when it's all Trump. And last night, Trump did a rally in Arizona. Did any of you watch? We watched. Not all of it. I can't watch a whole Trump rally, to be honest with you. I get tired of it. It's kind of over and over and repetitive. But, man, I do love seeing Trump in his element. It's always interesting to me that here he is. He's not president anymore. Nobody knows exactly what he's going to do. The guy can draw a massive crowd. It's like a rock star. The sheriff there said that the line of cars stretched for over 25 miles to get into the rally. I mean, this is just truly extraordinary. Whether you like Trump, you hate Trump, it's a phenomenon, and it is an incredible phenomenon. And people stand in, in lines in the cold, in the wind. It looked cold and windy there last night. They'll stand in those lines for hours and hours and hours to get in and see Trump. There's something really interesting about that. I've not seen that any other time in my adult life in political history. So I think it's something to watch. Does Trump run in 2024? I don't know. 
I mean, you know, as well as I know, who knows if he does or not, but he's definitely keeping himself relevant. And last night he did a rally. It was broadcast live on Newsmax. I've become a big fan of Newsmax. I got to say, ever since Fox played its games during the election, I don't watch Fox very much anymore. I have some friends over there. I really like Levin. I really like Tucker. Uh, you know, we we watch on Saturday mornings because we like to watch Pete Hegseth Saturdays and Sundays on Fox and Friends. But yeah, I don't watch Fox as much anymore. So I try to watch Newsmax a bunch. So it was on Newsmax last night. Newsmax is the only network that carried it live. Although, you know, all the other networks were watching Newsmax so that they could know what Trump was saying. Kind of funny. But here's the most important thing, in my opinion, if you kind of break down what happened, I'm going to tell you something that I think was the most important thing about the Trump rally last night that was so interesting, and it wasn't Trump. It wasn't even during the rally. To me, the most interesting thing is a little organization that you know well, that I love, that you love, called Convention of States, ran their first ever television commercials. Totally cool. I got to give my wife, Patty, credit for deciding we should do this and raising the money so we should do it. A lot of folks donated so we could do this. Producer G, I know you got it queued up. Go ahead and play our 60-second commercial, if you would. After the last election, liberty-minded Americans are facing a difficult question. What do we do now? The education system at all levels teaches our children to hate each other using Marxist racism disguised as critical race theory. The administration left thousands of our friends and tens of billions of dollars worth of military-grade weaponry in Afghanistan. With one stroke of a pen, the Biden administration is unconstitutionally inserting the federal government into the lives of millions of Americans and destroying the freedoms of thousands of businesses. The good news is that we do have a plan to stop them. This is the only plan that bypasses Biden and Congress to save the Republic. And this plan brings the fight to where we the people have a political advantage in the states. This plan can secure our Second Amendment rights. It can eliminate the woke Department of Education, and it can stop the federal government from taking over the state election process. Sign the petition at conventionofstates.com. <laughs> I love it. It was so exciting to see that on TV, to actually see it on TV. And I got to tell you what happened. Here was the result. Petitions just started pouring in from all over the country. We were watching our Slack channels. People were so excited, whether you're in Texas or West Virginia or Iowa or Idaho or California, wherever you were, petitions were flowing in. People were signing up to volunteer. Donations were coming in. It was explosive. It was amazing, and people were so excited. Our tech team said the servers maxed out. We had to add extra capacity. It was so cool to see it happen. Just a great plan. Again, credit to my wife, Patty. She put this whole thing together. Credit to our media team for getting it all dialed in at the last minute and getting it ready to go. Really great stuff for Convention of States. You're going to see more of it because it actually worked and it worked really well. It was totally worth doing. I think over 3,000 petitions were signed last night. Now, by the way, average day, Convention of States, every day, day in and day out, over 1,000 people join the organization by signing the petitions. So think about that. In one evening, literally between like 6.30 and 8.30, 6.39, over 3,000 people signed up for Convention of States. So this is our call to action today, right? If you're not signed up for Convention of States, if you're watching us on Facebook and you're wondering, what the hell is this all about? Here's what it's about. Article 5 of the Constitution gives you the power, me the power, us the power, acting through our state legislatures to call a Convention of States to propose amendments to rein in federal tyranny. 
by reigning in federal tyranny, I mean propose amendments to impose a balanced budget amendment, impose generally accepted accounting principles, put limits on taxation and spending, impose term limits on the federal bureaucracy, term limits on federal staffers, term limits on Congress, and yeah, even term limits on the federal judiciary. And finally, it means that we could impose scope and jurisdiction restraints on the federal government. By that, I mean things like telling the federal government, no, you can't be involved in education. No, you can't be involved in healthcare. No, you can't be involved in regulating the environment. None of those things and many more were ever intended for the federal government. They were intended for the states and the people in the states. And frankly, the states regulate all that stuff way too much as it is anyway. So if they're going to do it, absolutely no need for the federal government to do it. You and I can make that happen. You specifically can make that happen, along with the 3,000 people plus who signed up last night by going to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, and then importantly, call to action, click on the Take Action tab. When you do that, you're going to see a list of all the things you can do to volunteer, all the different positions you could volunteer for. We need everything. We need people who like to be on social media. We need people who like to make calls. We need people who want to go out and knock on doors. We need people who understand technology. We need people who do media stuff and like to do media stuff. We need people who know how to write. Just whatever you like to do, whatever your native talent is, whatever kind of things you enjoy, we can train you up and make you into a political activism professional. Because we got millions of them out there across the country. A lot of you are among them. We always need more. Conventionofstates.com. And then sign the petition and click on the Take Action tab. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. All right. Number two tonight, I want to go over the death of the vaccine mandate at the Supreme Court. It's a good day for America. This is a good decision that this happened, right? The result is good. I didn't like what happened with the HHS mandate, the Health and Human Services mandate on healthcare workers. Loved what happened to the OSHA mandate. Much better decision. Let's talk about the differences between those decisions, why they happened, what they really mean. We're going to break it down, and I'm going to do it better than I could actually do it myself. And I'm going to introduce you to somebody you've probably never met before. I don't think he's ever been on Facebook Live with me, but I'm going to bring in my son, Jacob, and he is a third-year law student just getting ready to graduate from Scalia Law. He works for America First Legal. These are guys that are suing Stephen Miller's organization, doing incredible work. They're suing the Biden administration every day on stuff like this mandate stuff. So, Jacob, slide on in, and let's give the lowdown. Nice to be here. Here, slide in a little further so they can see. There you go. There's your nice ugly mic. <laughs> now you see where I get my good looks, know, right? right? All right. So, Jacob, I want to talk about the vaccine mandate. I know you have looked at all this stuff. I know you brief your organization on this kind of stuff. So let's start first with the one that didn't go the way we wanted necessarily, which is the HHS mandate. Why don't you tell folks exactly what that decision was? Sure. The, the HHS mandate allowed um, the Health and Human Services Administration to tell medical facilities that they have to have their employees be vaccinated. Um, I think that was that was the wrong decision, the way the way the court did it. But they basically said that HHS had the authority to regulate health and safety of at least 10 of the 15 types of different medical facilities. I believe uh, the majority opinion said only 3% of the total medical employees in this in the country were outside of those 10, those 10 types. And so the mandate was essentially kind of close enough that they had, they had the authority to regulate enough of them that getting to all of them 
was acceptable. And on the other one, the, the facts just broke out differently. So on the HHS one, I want to talk about, because there was a dissent, obviously, Thomas, uh, who else dissented? Thomas Alito. And Gorsuch. And Gorsuch dissented. I think Barrett did as well. What was the basis, and Barrett as well, what was the basis of their dissent? Uh, their dissent was Th Thomas made a compelling argument that when when a, when a list ends, when a list of statutory authority ends with and such other things or, or language like that, it, the that language, that general language is limited to things of the type that, that came earlier in the list. For example, if I said you can buy things, if you can, you can buy tomatoes, lettuce, and such other things as you may decide, that other things would be limited to things that would go in a salad. Uh, that does not generally include a cake. And the, the court didn't apply that rule. And so they said that such other things basically includes any other thing that you could possibly buy. And that's just generally not how statutes are construed. So I think Thomas, being a committed textualist and being always willing to apply the rules of statutory construction, um, just did a better job interpreting what does the text authorize and what does it not authorize. In, in regard to the actual effect of that ruling, do you think it has a big effect? Because aren't most of these institutions already mandating vaccinations anyway? Yeah, most of these institutions are going to mandate vaccines anyways. These are healthcare institutions. These are hospitals. Um, and they, they would have the authority to do that even if HHS didn't make them. And I think most of them would exercise that authority. So while I think this is the wrong decision, I think it's definitely the less, the less important of the two. And it, it means less of the two. Also among healthcare workers, I think more of them are willing to be vaccinated voluntarily than among the general population. So I think even, even among those who do get vaccinated, fewer are actually forced or put to the choice. That's not to say that there's no one or that that's not a tragedy and that we, we don't support those people, we do. Um, I just think it is a smaller proportion right. of the overall than to the general employment. Yeah, look, and the reason I think that's important, it's like Jacob said, it's not that we think the decision was correct, and I really hate bad decisions like this because they set precedent, right? So other bad decisions can ultimately flow from them. We just want to put them in context so that you understand, you know, one was a decision affecting over 80 million people, many of whom won't otherwise be forced to vaccinate. And that was not true for the HHS decision. So while it was not a good decision, it was a minor loss compared to the victory on the OSHA decision. So why don't you do what you did on the HHS and uh, and tell folks exactly what that meant and how the OSHA decision breaks down? Yeah, so so the OSHA decision, um, I actually listened to oral arguments on that one. It was I had a good feeling about how it was going to go from the oral arguments. Um, Justice Roberts, who's usually kind of squishy, usually a swing vote, um, he seemed very skeptical of the government. He he asked the the solicitor general who argues for the government in defense of the mandate. He asked her if if what the government's doing here isn't trying to piece together a mandate that applies to all Americans. And she says, no, it's just OSHA is just trying to protect workers. And he goes, well, you also have the military mandate and you also have the healthcare mandate. And you're, it does seem like you're just trying to piece together to get to every American with these piecemeal policies. And shouldn't we view it that way? Um, ultimately, that wasn't how the decision was decided. But it, it gave me a good indication early on that Roberts was not sympathetic to the government's questioning or to the government's line of reasoning. Um, ultimately, it came down to a major questions doctrine case, which basically means um, if Congress wants to delegate a majorly important question to an agency to decide, it has to do that clearly. Um, it has like Congress could pass a law that says OSHA shall decide if people shall be vaccinated. And if they did that, it would probably be allowed. But that's not the authority that OSHA has right now. They have the authority to protect workers from workplace hazards. Um, and the court reasoned that COVID-19 is actually not a workplace hazard. It's a hazard of all of life. It, people get it everywhere, in their homes, in their businesses, out shopping, it plays. It's not a workplace hazard. And so OSHA does not actually have the authority to regulate this.
So that's a pretty good explanation. What's uh, what's the actual effect now? Because one of the things that I think is really interesting is the legal procedure, because what you can't say is that the case is over, right? Yeah. They, they say that the Supreme Court left the stay in place. So what does that they actually reinstated the stay. So they reinstated the stay. So what does that actually mean in practice? So the way these rules are litigated is a little bit unusual. Um, so petitions were brought in all of the circuit courts of the United States. You skip the district court um, in, in this type of litigation, go straight to the circuits. The Fifth Circuit granted a stay um, on, in a case brought by Louisiana and Texas plaintiffs. Um, they granted a stay on the rule. And then they did a lottery and determined which circuit would hear all of the consolidated cases. And it turned out to be the Sixth Circuit. And a divided panel of the Sixth Circuit reversed the stay and allowed the mandate to go into effect. Those plaintiffs then did an emergency petition to the Supreme Court asking them to reverse the stay. And that is a request for emergency relief. So they don't decide the case on the merits. They just decide, should this stay be in place? And what the Supreme Court decided is, yes, the stay should go back into effect. So technically, the, the policy is on pause. It could be reinstated. I don't think it will. That's because one of the factors that the Supreme Court weighs when deciding a stay is likelihood of success on the merits. And so what that means is the Supreme Court decided that the plaintiffs have a very good case and they're very likely to succeed. Uh, and But brief arguments were presented, not, not the full thing. Um, so the, the, it goes back to the Sixth Circuit and the Sixth Circuit now proceeds to trial if, they, if both parties still want to try this case. Um, and the Sixth Circuit could uphold the mandate at that point, but then it would go back to the Supreme Court and based on their their already their, their prior decision that they just issued, I don't think that they're likely to uphold the mandate at full argument either. So while it's not technically over, it's probably over on this. Yeah, it also makes it pretty hard to convince judges um, that, that, you're, that you're right when the Supreme Court has, has issued an opinion that says, hey, you're almost certainly wrong, but like there's a slight chance. And so you're, you're fighting an uphill battle if you're the DOJ right now trying to defend the mandate in the Sixth Circuit. And so generally after these kind of cases are issued, they, they just drop the litigation because it's such an uphill battle. You usually can't win. And if you do win, you're only going to end up back in the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's shown an interest in this case, that they're willing to devote time to it. So even if you win at the Sixth Circuit as the DOJ defending the rule, you just end up back in the Supreme Court doing the same thing that you've already did to the same panel who will likely decide what they already decided. So there's just really no point in it. So likely the case is over at this point. It depends. I think there's a chance that the, that the Biden administration wants to litigate it further um, for PR value, but I think the rule is dead. I don't okay. think this rule gets. gets All right. Up. One last thing before I let you go. Uh, you work for America First Legal. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about a little bit about the organization and generally what you guys do? Stephen Miller is the founder of the organization. Stephen right? Miller is the founder and president of the organization. Great man. It's really fun to work with him. Uh, his mind is really something else, the way he understands the administration and just the way the um, the administrative state works. The process is really, really amazing. Um, so we're just litigating in, in support of conservative priorities and making sure that people's liberties are defended and that we have a, a, policy, a legal policy organization devoted to doing that. Why do you like doing this work? You get to sue the Biden administration every day when they do <laughs> bad things. Um, and, and frankly, anyone else who's, who's doing bad stuff. I've gotten to participate in litigation on everything from racial discrimination to, to mandated vaccines. It's a lot of fun. A lot of Freedom of Information Act litigation as well. Oversight, making sure that people get the information they're entitled to get, that the public's kept informed on what actually is happening. So you're 27 years old. You go through the Marine Corps. 26. You should 26. You were there. <laughs> you were there. You 26. Okay. Sorry about that. 26 years old. You go through the Marine Corps. You go into law school. You're becoming a legal warrior. What would you say to young people that are considering, you know, getting into politics, coming up in a career? 
Is this a good time or a bad time to be engaged in this stuff? I think it's a great time to be engaged in. A lot of the older white shoe law firms are not willing to do this work. And so there, there's a gap right now that, that needs to be filled by, by people willing to do the work. And there, there's a career there for people who want it. And it's fun. Important. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> we were talking about this last night. I mean, to get to wake up every day and be in the fight is a privilege that I have, that Patty has, uh, and now that Jacob's carrying on. Well, thanks, Jacob. I appreciate you being with us tonight. Thank you. There you guys go. So you get to see a chip off the old block. The only difference between Jacob and I is he's about 10 times smarter and at least twice as good looking. So he's got a real advantage in life. Anyway, I hope that gives you a little bit of hope, seeing that there are young people out there doing this kind of stuff. I, I mean it genuinely. He's way smarter than I am. I think he's doing really important work, and I hope you have a better understanding of the difference between the HHS case and the OSHA case now. There seems like it's been an incredibly bad week for Biden, right? It looks like he's not going to get any of what he wants done. He's not going to get his voting rights bill done. Mansion and cinema aren't going to go along. Like he's getting crushed left and right. The mandates get shot down and the inflation report comes out. And I wouldn't wish this on anybody because I wouldn't wish it on the country. Annual inflation last year at 7%, 40-year high. It's out of control. And what that means is regular people are paying more for everything this is really rough for regular people. And it seems like Biden doesn't care. We have polling, says that the vast majority of Americans of both parties, and that includes breaking down along ethnic uh, guidelines, along Hispanics, Blacks, Whites, Asian. We, we believe, all of us, pretty broadly, that Biden doesn't care if we're being hurt by inflation. I don't think he knows the difference. He doesn't buy milk for himself. He doesn't buy eggs for himself. He doesn't put gas in a car. He doesn't drive himself. So he doesn't understand what this is doing to the average American family, and it's not good. And on top of that, you have the supply chain crisis. Jacob was texting me pictures from Virginia last week before he came home, and the share, share, uh, shelves in Virginia in the grocery stores were bare. Now, I came here to Texas. We went grocery shopping yesterday. The shelves were full. I'm not sure exactly what that tells me about the supply chain crisis, except for in Virginia or in the eastern seaboard, way worse than here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. All right, so that's uh, Biden's very, very bad, extra terrible, horrible week. It's out of control. Now, on the flip side, on something that's going really well is actually in Virginia right now. Yesterday was Governor Youngkin's first day. He was sworn into office, the new Republican governor of Virginia. I was a little worried. He might be a little bit soft, you know? I wasn't 100% sure that he was a real conservative. But, man, he came out scorched earth, flamethrower blowing full blast. He got rid of uh, the person who was running the uh, Board of Education or statewide education, put in a person who was anti-CRT and anti-CRT activist. He overturned the mask mandate. He overturned a vaccine mandate. I think he did a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm impressed. I am really impressed. Basically, what he's going to be able to say, and I think this is what he's aiming at, is I campaigned on these things and I did these things as fast as I could. Really impressive. I want to see more politicians who act like Glenn Youngkin. He ran a fantastic campaign. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of COS activists participated in that campaign. We had a COS activist win a seat in the House of Delegates. By the way, Republicans won by one seat. So her seat's the one. So it's a COS seat that flips that election. And I would say that we should look for sure at Virginia as a harbinger of things to come. If Republicans can win governor, lieutenant governor, and Attorney General, which they did, the House of Delegates, I think things look pretty good for Republicans come 2022. So go Youngkin.
Also, other good news, the state of play for Convention of States looking very good. Convention of States passed first vote in the Nebraska Senate last week. I expect that we could pass all the way through this week. We'll at least get one more vote. There have to be two votes. Things look good. The whip count looks good. If you're in Nebraska, call your senator. Tell them to pass Convention of States. Tell them to bust the filibuster. There will be a filibuster against this. we got to bust it. We're going to pass Convention of States this week. I also believe that things are looking really good, and I think it's going to be around the 25th for Iowa. I mean, sorry, for uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is set up. The House, uh, the Assembly has passed it already. We're in the Senate. I believe we have the votes. I believe we're ready to go. I believe it's hard to say which is going to be first, either Wisconsin or Nebraska going to be number 16. So 16 and 17 about to pop right out of the gate. On the 25th, by the way, I personally will be in the great state of, where am I going? Iowa. <laughs> almost forgot. Iowa on the 25th. I'll be there. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be a big rally. Rick Santorum will be there. Steve Dace will be there with me. It's going to be important. It's going to be historic. Buses are coming in from all over the state. So Producer G's got up on screen. How you can find out more about that, if you're, if you're in Iowa, Producer G, you can give them the details in the chat. It's going to be really cool, and I'm really looking forward to it. Also next week on Wednesday, I believe it is, I will be in Kentucky. We're holding a surge day at the Kentucky Legislature in Frankfort, Kentucky. So if you're in Kentucky, if you're anywhere near Kentucky, got to get to the state capitol in Frankfort. By the way, that's a beautiful place. The thing sits in a beautiful little valley. Can't fly right in there. I fly usually into Lexington and drive into Frankfort. I'm going to be there with you in Kentucky. So things are looking crazy in the next couple of weeks for Convention State. It's crazy good. So I'm really excited about all that stuff. Uh, and then uh, let's see, we've got Q&A, right? Is, do we have some Q&A, Producer G? I'm not seeing any questions pop up yet. Let me. Oh, here we go. Blaine Anderson says, Mark, see you Thursday in Kentucky. I love that. Thursday in Kentucky. I promise I'll see you there, Blaine. Do me a favor. Come up to me, say hello. Remind me that you commented here uh, on the battle cry. I love seeing people watch the battle cry. John Wesolowski says, can COS do anything about Texas? Absolutely. COS could pass help pass an amendment that says that taxes have to be limited in some way. Maybe using a formula tying taxes to population plus uh, inflation or GDP plus inflation. There are formulas that can be used to prevent taxes from being raised at the federal level. Uh, Susan Walton Sigler says, watched all five commercials last night. So exciting. Totally, man. I loved it. It was so fun seeing COS on television. You're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, Joyce Chase says, see you in Kentucky. So look, we got a couple of Kentuckians here. Joyce, again, come up to me, say hello. Remind me that you were watching on the Battle Cry. I love seeing fans of the Battle Cry when I'm out there in the field. Another one, Ditko says, see you in Kentucky. Obviously, we got a big Kentucky contingent on. And I'm not going to make her come on screen, but I got to tell you, Patty's sitting right here to my left. She's shaking her head. She hates when I do this. But I just got to tell you, my wife, the most brilliant woman on earth, she's the one who came up with the idea of doing the commercials. She's the one who negotiated it. She's the one who got us in right there before the Trump rally and got maximum viewership. So all credit to her. Uh, one last question. Debbie Arwood says, how quickly will delegates be selected for COS? Delegates will be selected very quickly once we reach that 34 state. It'll happen like that. Every state will select their delegates. A bunch of states already have delegate selection processes in place in those states. Uh, Mary's asking, when will I be in Kentucky again? I will be at the state capitol in Kentucky this coming Wednesday. So literally, I'm only home for two more days. Then I'll be on a flight early morning and off to Kentucky. 
and I'll see you all in Kentucky. Hey, thank you guys for joining me on the Battle Cry tonight, especially thanks for welcoming my son, Jacob. Really appreciate it. So fun having him here. He knows so much more than I do, and I love bringing up the next generation. You guys are the best. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm going to see a bunch of you out in the field this week. So God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week on the Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.